welcome to the first episode of the Thundersticks podcast. I'm your host, Ben Kreider. So the intention with this podcast um, is that I'm going to be able to produce one or two of these a week, um, all things Thunder, throughout the offseason and the regular season. So uh, I think first off, congratulations to the Lakers. This was one this was one hell of a, a playoffs. I think this is probably the most fun I've had watching the playoffs. Um, I probably I couldn't tell you how that is. Maybe it's because of the playoffs being in the summer or whatever it may be. I just felt really attracted to it. Um, the Rockets Thunder matchup was I I mean, even though we lost, that was probably my favorite of the whole thing. If Dort made that shot, I truthfully think we probably could have taken the Lakers to six or seven. Win it, I don't know, but I definitely think we would have put up a better fight. Anyways, uh Bubble was a huge success for the NBA. No cases, nothing like that. Um obviously the Lakers being crowned the champion against the Heat. They played excellent defense. I'd say that whole entire series, making sure that uh, shooters weren't able to get open. Uh, I mean, game six, Jimmy Butler just absolutely froze up. Nothing was going on. Once they had that 30-point lead in the second quarter, I think everyone kind of knew it was over. But uh, with the season finally ending, now we can look into the offseason. And I think the Oklahoma City Thunder has maybe one of the biggest question marks. I don't think their impact is going to be seen right now just due to all the picks that they have stockpiled. But they can stockpile them even more. And Chris Paul being one of the best point guards in the NBA, uh, without a doubt, he's going to be wanted by a ton of teams. Now his price... Uh, I think his price definitely shot up. I think last year, whenever the original trade for Russell Westbrook happened. I was not too pleased with it. I know a lot of people I talked to was not too happy about it because it seemed like, sure, we got Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook, but the two picks, we get the two picks and then the pick swaps. Uh, I didn't think that was enough to justify it. I thought Chris Paul was just not a movable contract. And just the way he's playing, it's not like that anymore. And Russell Westbrook... I think the public opinion of him has shot down. Even though he had a really good season, I think the public opinion is pretty bad. And um, I think the trades you'd get between Westbrook and Chris Paul may not be too far off, depending on what team. So I think last year, whenever we had Chris Paul, the uh, only trades that we were going to be getting were from the Miami Heat. And It was Chris Paul's like a negative asset. No one wants this guy on their team. So we would have to be trading them back picks. The ones that we got from these, from the Paul George trade. We had two picks, 2021 and 2023. We'd have to give it back to them alongside CP3 just for cap fillers. And there wasn't, there wasn't any assets in for us. Whereas when we had Russell Westbrook, people seriously believed that we could get Hero and Bam Adebayo in the same trade. Now looking back on it, of course that would never happen. At the time, I mean, Hero, 
didn't he hadn't played a game in the league yet and then Adebayo he was good he was promising but the way he shot up this year um that was definitely surprising so I think the intentions or at least what needs to be done going into the offseason if we are to trade there's no point in OKC trying to shed their shed their salary for for any trades. We need to be bringing in as much salary as possible, get more picks. Even when our team is at our best, our free agent signings are terrible. Our best free agent signings um in in franchise history, I guess since they moved from Seattle. Number 1's Paul George. And that one him re-signing I guess you could say, then why isn't all the re-signings in this? I think Paul George is a little bit different just because of the circumstances, and now he's not even on the team. If he doesn't sign with us again, this is a completely different team, and our future I don't think would be good at all. There's there's Paul George, and then you fall off a cliff. Number two, this is based off public opinion, not like immediate their impact. I think number two is Markeith Morris, and he wasn't even in. He wasn't even from free agency. He was from the buyout market, and whenever he signed last year, uh, everyone was thinking that he would come in. He'd be this stretch four. He'd finally fix this void that we had at power forward because of how bad Patrick Patterson had played, and he was going to be this consistent double-digit scorer. When in reality, he. He completely flopped when it mattered. In April, he played super strong. And then when the playoffs hit, he couldn't shoot. And there were games during the regular season where he'd be going 1-6, 5 out of 8 games. And the other 3 games, he'd have solid performances. I think maybe the role was not best for him. He didn't really get too many minutes. I think he deserved more than 16 or whatever he got. But just the way he played, he did not play like people expect him to, especially in the playoffs. He shot 31% from the field and then 29% from three. You can't be doing that when your whole entire your whole entire reason for someone wanting you is just being able to shoot and get some rebounds. Number three is Patrick Patterson. Now, this one is so hard to think about because... He may be up there with Kyle Singler uh, with the worst the worst people on the team, like, ever. He signed a three-year contract for $16.4 million. And I remember when this happened. Everyone was so excited that we finally got a free agent signing. Patrick Patterson was a respectable name whenever he was in Toronto. He was, he was just a stretch four. I know whenever he was in Houston... Whenever we played, uh, whenever we played them, it was like him, Scola. I don't know. They always, they always torched us. I know when he was on the Kings, he always torched us. So I always had really high expectations with him. I bet a lot of other Thunder fans did too. But when he when he came to the team, he he couldn't make a shot. He really couldn't rebound. When he always just stood in the corner. Waited for the ball. Whenever he got the corner three, I fully expected him to just shank it and drill it right off the backboard, the side of the backboard. That's how bad it got. 
And regardless, he still had those two seasons where Donovan kept putting him in in front of guys who definitely should have had minutes over him. I think Deontay Burton, he never got a real chance with this team. And it may be in part of just how he made these rotations. It it screwed him over. This could be a whole other episode on its own. But just you can already tell that if Patrick Patterson at one point was your greatest free agency signing, there's a problem. But in retrospect, it's Paul George number one, obviously. I think number two is Ninad Kristic. Even though he kind of came in in the early stages, he was a beast. He had a really good couple of years in New Jersey before he signed on with us. He was really he was really productive. I always liked him on the team um, until Perkins joined on. Uh, he was just a solid. He was a solid rotational piece. He was a good. He was a solid plug and play starter. Number three is Anthony Morrow. He actually played his role and he played it well. He got signed on three years, ten million to shoot, and he could shoot. So out of the three guys, Marquis, Patterson, and Morrow, he's the only one who actually went up to his expectations, played the way he's supposed to. But what we get from this is. OKC, regardless of how we're looking, I know you can say Al Horford was considering signing until KD left. That could be thrown in there too. But still, the main point is we're never really going to be in the market for any big free agents, especially in the spot we're in now. Maybe could we sign some young guys? Sure, but... You think if Anthony Davis, if he declines his option, he's going to have an interview with Oklahoma City? Absolutely not. He's definitely going to re-sign with the Lakers. But just theoretically, no superstar is going to want to play for us, even when we have a really good lineup. But, yeah, so I think this is already well-known. We're trying to stockpile picks here. We're not trying to get rid of salary. Free agency's never been our thing. Drafting's always been our thing. We need to stick to that. So any move made here, it's in order to get picks. And the way that I kind of grouped these these trades together, I put teams. The first off, there's a couple teams here. I have them as teams who pulled the offer. Teams who maybe last year would be interested and sometime during the season may may have wanted to trade for him like at the deadline but at this point um for one reason or another they shouldn't be offering and their best package probably wouldn't work for either side and then we have the unlikelies and then we have my top three teams who i think are going to be the ones who end up making this trade and we have some pretty interesting ones in there too so for teams who pulled the offer i have miami heat they really can't make one at this point, just with all the people that are going into free agency here. Uh, their only asset that I find untouchable is Kendrick Nunn, and his his value really tanked this playoffs because he wasn't even playing most of the time. He got a couple finals games in, but outside of that, he just wasn't... You couldn't rely on the guy. I think their assets... Tyler Hero, he's untouchable. 
Um, Duncan Robinson, he's a great asset. Of course, he's untouchable. These guys went to the NBA Finals. They got it to six games. And they almost, I mean, even though it was like a 13-point loss, they had a pretty strong comeback there. They're down 30 points, right? But, yeah, they their best option is to just run it back. I think a Chris Paul-Jimmy Butler duo would be amazing, but the cost is just going to be too steep for what they've built there. They need to be playing for free agency. They need to be shedding contracts. I think they are in the running to get some really big-name free agents. That's what they should be shooting for. So without a signing trade, without yeah, without signing trades, the best they could do is Kendrick Nunn, Andre Godala, plus some picks. And I didn't even go into detail on what these picks would be because I know they would never happen. They just need to re-sign Crowder and Drogic, hopefully for some cheap contracts, run it back, and then get some big names in free agency. Second up, I have the Denver Nuggets. So the only trade that I could figure out here would be Chris Paul for Will Barton, Gary Harris, and Monte Morris. There's there's no reason for the Thunder to be doing this. Um... I think the Denver Nuggets would have been all for it had they not made the Western Conference Finals. Jamal Murray's their point guard. He's really emerged. I wouldn't want, even though Chris Paul would be a great player to put a, put alongside Murray, I think on his own, him and, him and Jokic can figure it out. So, I don't really think the Nuggets would want to do this trade anymore. It's kind of intriguing still, Um but I think just having the, the who's gonna be the ball handler, you know? They they have a couple decisions to make in this offseason, especially Jeremy Grant, and then uh, I believe they have Paul Millsap. So I don't know. It's a high risk, high reward trade for them. They're they're three pieces, there's some critical role players. They have so much depth on this Nuggets team. Maybe the impact wouldn't even be there. Uh, if I remember correctly, Barton wasn't even playing in these playoffs, so um, that kind of tells you where they're at now. They got Michael Porter Jr. emerging, Bull Bull. I don't know if he's going to be able to get a real rotation piece next year. But yeah, I just think with the time being, they should probably figure out their offseason if they're getting Grant back. I know he declined his option. He wants He wants money. They have a lot of decisions to be making. I think Chris Paul is not the best decision for them right now. Uh, Next up, I have out-of-reach teams. These are teams who I believe would likely offer to the Thunder, but they just don't have enough firepower in them to make a trade. The Mavericks come to mind. Their package would probably be Dwight Powell, Tim Hardaway Jr., Seth Curry, they could throw in their 18th pick this year and then the double draft 2022 pick. They This trade is just not going to be good enough. There's no way the Thunder would take this over the other offers they have. And I think the Mavericks, they might want to just go after Giannis. So I think they would probably have to wait off on this. Chris Paul's a little out of reach for them. Next up, we have the Suns. Now, I don't even know if the Suns should be making a trade here. The trade would be Ricky Rubio, Ubre, and then their 2021 first 
for Chris Paul. But Rubio has been an absolute budget baller. He is on like a $15 million contract. He had, I think he had 13 points and like 8.8 assists, almost 9. Uh, and Oubre is only 24. I don't know if he's part of that core, but uh, I think I think they just really can't make this trade. It's going to it's going to put a hole there at the small four position. That big three of Chris Paul, Booker, and Aiton, it's going to push them. It's going to elevate them. I I'd, I'd say to the playoffs. I think second round is maybe where they where they peak at. I don't know. I don't think it turns them into a a title contender contender really. Um they could be like a top five seed in the West. It's just, it wouldn't make them a contender. I think Ricky Rubio has been perfect for them. They should figure this out another way. It would be an interesting trade. I just couldn't see it happening. So, the Utah Jazz, they could really use Chris Paul, but they don't have the assets to get Chris Paul. Mike Conley would be like the centerpiece of the deal. I'm just going to put this out here now Mike Conley is not a positive asset even if he has an insane season let's say he's thrown on thunder he has a crazy season I don't think he's gonna have any trade value so he'd be stuck on our team and then around him you just have to throw in filler filler players to make the money work out so I had Ed Davis uh George Nyang Tony Bradley and then the 2022 first double draft for Chris Paul, I think for the Jazz, the price to upgrade, they have to throw in their solid role players, um, and then that that 2022 pick. I think Mike Conley and that they 2022 pick plus Mike Conley, if they get Chris Paul for that, of course they're going to be doing that. It's just not going to getting Chris Paul on that team is not going to turn them into a contender at all, and that's. That's the deal. Some teams would probably jump all over this. This isn't New York. This is this is Utah. I don't I don't think the I don't think the upgrade from Conley to Chris Paul it's not going to translate to wins and I don't think it's going to translate to money and attention going to that franchise like a big market would. For OKC, the Jazz just don't have enough. You could throw in more picks, I guess. There's just way better offers. I don't think any of these players fit their timeline. There's not any positive assets outside this pick. You could throw in a couple more. It doesn't change a thing. Um, so, yeah, that's the Utah Jazz. But the best candidates, number one, the New York Knicks. So, they have their two untouchable guys, in my opinion. You can't move R.J. Barrett, and you can't move Mitchell Robinson. I actually thought in that draft... I thought Mitchell Robinson would be a stud. I wanted the Thunder to trade for him. I also thought Melvin Frazier would be a beast. He gets minutes in like the D-League, so maybe my predictions are not that great. I will stick by this Mitchell Robinson thing. I thought the Thunder should have traded up for him. Never did. Had the same feeling with Draymond Green, the guy at Perry Jones. Uh, was not Was not happy about that at all. I was like a little kid. I started crying about it. I had no clue why I wanted Draymond Green. I just knew he'd be good. And now, you know, he's an all-star. He has rings with the Warriors. I always feel like if I was a GM there, 
I would have saved the franchise. I would have got Draymond Green. But anyways, the Knicks have a lot of movable pieces here. And that's what makes them so interesting. You have Julius Randle, Frank Nitakina, Kevin Knox, Bobby Portis, and Dennis Smith Jr. If I were to pick who I'd want out of these five, it'd be Randle, Knox, and Dennis Smith Jr. They're all relatively young. I think Randall, you have to pick between Randall and Portis to make the money work. I'd rather not have Portis. Uh, just what what has been said about him, like beating up people in the practice facilities. I don't want to deal with that guy. I want Julius Randall on the team. He kind of gets empty stats, but I don't know. I think he's he's not he's not worse than Bobby Portis. So the offer that would make the most sense it'd be Chris Paul for Julius Randle Wayne Ellington Dennis Smith Jr. or Frank Nitakina and Kevin Knox I would prefer Dennis Smith Jr. I think everyone would prefer Dennis Smith Jr. he got I don't know what happened to him I thought he would be a star everyone thought he was a sleeper in the draft he's one of the main pieces in that Chris Dobbs trade he just hasn't shown he hasn't shown anything. And then same goes for Kevin Knox. He's the eighth pick. He still hasn't shown anything. And the Knicks are trying to make it out like these guys are some crazy assets. The way that they've been playing, they're not crazy assets at all. There's some positive young assets, and I think a change of scenery for them would probably be really good, especially when we're talking about the New York Knicks being their last team. That is, that's kind. Of, that might be their red flag being on the Knicks, just knowing how their organization has been since Linsani and whenever Mello left. But yeah, so Randall Ellington Smith, I, I I'd say Smith, Knox, and then that a twenty twenty one Dallas pick. I don't really think that pick's gonna be that high in the draft, anyways. So this is more for the young, the young players, um, as opposed to. Um, just getting picks in the draft, stockpiling them. It would be nice to have Knox and Smith on this team. I mean, the court, you get you get two younger dudes, two I'm not gonna say promising. They've shown they've shown they can be really good. Um, Lee Smith has. They could they could maybe develop into something with the Thunder. That's the gamble you'd be taking. The reason the Knicks would be doing this I've seen people say that they don't understand why the New York Knicks should be doing this. For the Knicks, I almost feel like this is a no-brainer. You're going nowhere with Knox and Smith and, you know, Randall, I guess. He's not... He's getting stats for them. He's not really doing too much uh, to help the team out. He's just getting his empty stats, right? They need... They need something there to get attention back to New York they need to they're still always going to be that big market they've had terrible teams time and time again and they still get people to show up and they still get their money because they're the New York Knicks if they have Chris Paul on their team there's actually a reason to go and then people think that maybe Melo could return that's a no-brainer the money there you can't turn that down for what they're giving up I mean, it's not like they they aren't untouchable at all. 
They're going to be selling tickets. They're going to be making so much money off this deal. Business-wise, this is genius. They need something in New York. And Chris Paul, he's going to be great for R.J. Barrett and whoever they pick at number eight, right? So they're going to get that mentor. They're going to get that superstar. If you want to call him a superstar, he's a star. And then maybe you get Melo back just for just to get more attention on them. I think this is a safe this is a safe move for them. I don't see any of them breaking out with the New York Knicks at all. Right. So the second team that I have for a Chris Paul trade, it's the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, there's been reports saying that the Bucks would not be interested. If I'm the Milwaukee Bucks, I would definitely be interested. Their whole entire thing here, they need to make sure Giannis stays. Because if Giannis leaves the team, they're like a bottom dweller in the NBA. Here's their current their current starting lineups. It's Bledsoe, Wesley Matthews, Chris Middleton, Giannis, and Brooke Lopez. And then off the bench, you have George Hill, DiVincenzo, Connaughton, Elisova, Robin Lopez. Take Giannis off that team. Obviously, they're in the East. I see them being like a 30 to 35 win team. There's nothing special there. I don't think Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe can lead you to the promised land. So, the trade that I would be making... It'd be Chris Paul for Bledsoe, DiVincenzo, George Hill, the 24th pick, which is from the Pacers, um, from the Malcolm Brogdon deal, I believe. And then in 2024, they throw in their one through four pick protected. And if it uh, lands one through four, that pick also just turns into a one to four protected. Then after that, uh, it just becomes unprotected. This is a risky deal for the Milwaukee Bucks because, look, this is a this is a power play to get Giannis to stay. The picks are really not. It's betting on the future. This 2024 pick could very well be the 30th pick if they play their cards right. If they are able to keep Giannis, have Chris Paul, they can add on to that core. Obviously, by that time, Chris Paul's. I'm assuming it's not going to be the same. So there's going to be other people surrounding them. A Chris Paul, Chris Middleton, and Giannis big three in the East is going to do a ton of damage. And they're always contenders. They've never had that, you know, if you only have to guard Giannis to beat the Bucks, you're not going to be able to compete for a championship. All right. And Bledsoe, the upgrade from Bledsoe to Chris Paul. That's going to be a major upgrade, especially in these big playoff games. Um, I think with that big three, once again, being in the East, they could do some damage. And it here's the thing. The reason they wouldn't take it is because they don't trust that Giannis would stay. Because if Giannis is staying on the team, this without a doubt is going to be a late first-round pick unless he, like, is out for the season with an injury, right? The value on this pick, it's all based on Giannis, pretty much. And the Thunder, 
This pick's going to be really enticing. If Giannis leaves, This is the Milwaukee Bucks are kind of screwed over. And that means this pick is going to be very valuable. And I think it's without a doubt a lottery pick. And if it falls 1 through 4, fine. It moves on to 2025. 1 through 4 again, fine. And then 2026, it's unprotected. It's going to be a lottery pick if Giannis doesn't stay. And that's the risk and reward you see with this deal. Um, yeah, that's about that's about that with that one. But I think DiVincenzo has been... People kind of see him as this crazy young prospect. I don't know where... I don't know what the hype surrounding DiVincenzo is. I've never understood why people think he's so good. I think him compared to other young guys in the league like I don't know a Thibel which that's gonna be my last one the 76ers I'd probably take Thibel over him maybe that's just me I just don't see DiVincenzo fitting our timeline at all he's not gonna I don't think he's gonna merge into a star or anything so I'm I don't know the only reason I'm really gravitating towards this trade is because that last pick and if it doesn't convey, then we just got completely screwed over by the Milwaukee Bucks. But the last trade partner that I have is the Philadelphia 76ers. And there's so many options with this team. At face value, you think, you know, there's a lot of untouchables here. I'm not convinced Ben Simmons is untouchable. And I have a couple trades lined up. I had to think long and hard about this just because you have to think the public perception of Ben Simmons, he's like this superstar caliber player. He's only 24, but he can't shoot, and that's always his downfall. Does he have to play point guard? No, he can slide over to small forward or power forward. He's done it before. He can do it again. Um, he's just a really interesting prospect. And with this 76ers group, he's he's kind of part of the problem. I think in Philadelphia, it's a really interesting situation with Horford and Bede and then Simmons. Simmons can't shoot. Horford and Embiid just aren't working. I think regardless of whether or not they trade for Chris Paul, they need to get rid of Horford or one of these guys at the minimum because it's just not working at all for them, right? And the first, the first deal for them it doesn't involve ben simmons it's just for it's for al horford that's the main piece it's chris paul for al horford mike scott zaire smith matisse theibel a 2022 unprotected and a 2024 top five protected so al horford's contract is absolutely terrible and the 76ers have no chance of doing anything Unless they move him. Because he has $27 million until 2023. He's going to consistently be making $27 million. He's eating up way too much of that cap space. There's no trade value to this guy at all. I don't know why they thought signing him was like a, a replacement for Jimmy Butler. Was it a compensation prize? Maybe. He just doesn't. He did, it didn't work out. And I don't know why they would think it would work out. I mean, Horford's already on the decline. 
you got a couple more years with him, that's going to be terrible. That's like he has like three more years on his deal maybe. It's not it's never going to work with him on there. And Bede's clashing with them. You can't put them on the court together, right? That's that's the main reason why they would have to throw in these two picks because the all the issues with the 76ers could be solved right now if you swap Horford with Chris Paul. They need a playmaker in the playoffs. Chris Paul has been there. He has the experience needed. If you put Chris Paul at point guard, that means you have Josh Richardson playing the two. Harris Harris is a small forward, power forward, I'd say. Right? And then you can just put Simmons, small forward, power forward, and then round it out with Joel Embiid. That's a contending lineup. You take that hit, removing... you. You have to trade Matisse Thybul. So that's a little bit of a hit. Um, he's a great young prospect. I think he's the, he's the exact guy that Sam Presti would be after. And I kind of feel like Dort already has that shooting guard position locked up. Especially when their play styles are like exactly the same. Thybul's known for being able to... You know, intercept passes in the passing lane, hustling. Just all around defensively, he's a beast. Ludor is the exact same thing. Two of them on the same team? That would be crazy. If you put a lineup out there with both of them, that's going to be a real issue. Both of them are just got off their rookie seasons. I mean, in five years, that could be a real duo. Um, But I don't know. I just don't. I don't I don't know. I don't see it. Um I think Thibel maybe a little bit overrated. If I had to pick between Thibel and Dort, the way that Dort ended that season off, I'm picking Dort, you know? And it's nothing against Thibel because he's been great and this whole season he has been. Just what I see in Dort is more than I see in Thibel. Like Dort finishing wise. Um he showed he could be a really good finisher, especially in that playoff series. And he was playing like absolute garbage on offense in that Rocket series. And it was so hard to watch because you knew everyone there knew that when Dort was on the court, he was going to be wide open for a corner catch and shoot three. The Rockets were going to live with it. It's kind of an embar- it's kind of an embarrassing scenario when no one's respecting you from the three-point line and you just continue to miss and miss and miss he got together for that big game seven you know the fact that his last shot got blocked by James Harden it doesn't matter at all it came down it didn't come down that final play there's way more to that than just that final play he's gonna be a real beast and I think he'd be you know there's other guys like Baisley and SGA think they're gonna be beast too right and Thibel he'd be I mean he'd be a beast right so it'd be great to have them I think there might be a little bit of an issue if Dort and Thibel can't consistently figure out how to shoot the three ball but yeah anyways 
in this package, you're also getting Zaire Smith, who I think he was a 15th pick a couple years ago. Um, he was like a high flyer. He's not. He's been dealing with injuries. I don't know if he's going to be able to overcome these injuries. It's been going on this whole entire time. He really has never had minutes on the court. I think by now, he's kind of just a throw-in guy, right? So, it's mainly... The main piece we're getting is Steibel in these two, two first-round picks. And the unprotected... This double draft... This unprotected double draft pick will be... It will be nice if Chris Paul decides to extend his deal because... Actually, you know what? No, I take it back. I don't think that's... I don't even think that 2022 pick would be affected. I think that pick's range probably would be in the... Let's see, two years down the line. I'd say it'd be in the 20s. So it wouldn't be a high selection at all. The 2024 pick... Everything could just crash down. By 2024, everything could just crash down. There's top five protection on it. So if they really do that bad, they're going to be saved by the protection. Um, if, If by any chance it doesn't work out in Philadelphia, they have to do a fire sale. This would be a really nice pick. I could see it maybe being a lottery pick. I'm of the belief that if Paul is inserted into the lineup and they only have to give up Horford and Thibel, they're still going to be really good. I mean, their cores, Embiid and Simmons, they're still pretty young. Harris, I don't see him falling off, right? He's not going anywhere. He's on that huge contract too. So I think the main draw would be Thibel and then you get two late round picks. But, yeah. So, my next pick, or my next drawn-up trade for the 76ers, it actually includes Ben Simmons. And, once again, it's a deal where there's issues with the 76ers lineups right now. They're going to have to move somebody around. If it happens to be Ben Simmons, I think if Ben Simmons gets traded, um, Horford might have to follow with it. This trade doesn't include Horford in it. I have a trade where both of them are. It's going to be Ben Simmons and Mike Scott for that filler. For Chris Paul, a top five protected 2021 Thunder first. So next year's first. And the 2024 swap best pick with the Houston Rockets pick that we got from the Westbrook trade. The trade is already... So... The the thing with the Rockets pick, it's interesting. If it's one through four, the Rockets keep the pick and it turns into two seconds. So it turns into the 2024 Houston second round pick and 2025 Houston second round pick. So it loses all its value if it's one through four. But if they don't want to do that and they'd rather pick something else, they can have the Clippers unprotected 2024 pick. These two picks are insanely valuable, regardless of the Houston one and the Clippers one. It's so far down the line, you would never, you cannot even predict. Harden and Westbrook, 
I don't. They're not going to be that good in 2024. The Rockets are going to have to figure something out because all these picks that they're that they sent out in this deal, and then the Clippers too. They have a lot of issues. I think Kawhi and Paul George. I think the everyone speculating that maybe George isn't safe. He's going to be safe. I think they run it back. 2024 is so far down the line, though. You never know, especially with all these superstars just getting up and leaving. Kevin Durant's a great example. Just hopping from team to team. It's on the nets now. Could you maybe see that with Kawhi? Could you maybe see that with Paul George? I don't know. They have all their future. All the future of the Clippers are in our hands right now. And we could trade this pick to Philadelphia. I don't know. They have a lot of decisions to be making. And if one of them wants to leave, you got to just do a fire sale. And they'd probably be stuck at mediocrity for a while. But if they fall into the bottom dwellers of the league, they're not. They're screwed for a while. It'd be like running the. I don't know. The Sam Hinkie 76ers for five years. And. They're not getting the high draft picks anyways, so they're just putting D-leaguers out there. It's not going to be pretty if one of them leave. And this pick is unprotected, so it'd easily be in the lottery if everything falls apart. It could easily be the number one pick, right? But the reason that we give them the unprotected, we give them that option between the Rockets and the Clippers. There's so much up in the air with this Clippers team. I think the... In my opinion, I think the Rockets are a sure-fired lottery team by 2024. Their only assets are Covington, Harden, and Westbrook, and their value is just going to keep deteriorate, t- deteriorating over and over. Especially Westbrook, his his name's already been tarnished. So find a suitor for him if he has another bad year, and everyone wants to just break off. They're not going to get much from him. Harden, they're going to get so much from him. They might as well get the same all we got for Paul George. I mean, Harden's one of the greatest players in the league. Um, But they just don't have, they don't have the depth. They don't have the assets. They don't have really the picks. It's pretty interesting because we do have their pick swaps as well. So those two could be lottery picks. But it's a pick and choose, so they could screw up and pick the Clippers. This trade is so far down the line. The Clippers could still be title contenders. They get the 30th pick there. Or they pick the Rockets. They're still somehow title contenders. I highly doubt it. Let's say they are. They end up getting the 30th pick. These could be high 20s picks. They could be mid-round draft picks. You can't tell. It's so far down. And... If the Rockets pick is one through four, they don't even get anything. They get two seconds. How funny would it be? They trade for that, and it just turns into two seconds. That's one of the biggest draws. Now, the pick that really doesn't um, screw up too much, there's not too much you know, risk in it. It's our own top five protected pick next year, and... With Chris Paul being traded, the core, I think Gallinari is a sign-in trade guaranteed. I don't know if Schroeder would be traded. 
I personally think Schroeder should stay on this team regardless until the trade deadline. Same with Steven Adams. Uh, I'm not too high on Steven Adams right now just because of that playoff series. It was it was pretty rough seeing him out there. I think Noel might have done better. The small ball lineup was the thing that worked. But anyways, I think going into this season, I'm fully expecting Gallo and Chris Paul to be gone and it to be led by Schroeder, SGA, Baisley, Adams, find some guys in free agency maybe, get a Jeremy Grant guy. His market's going to be extremely high though. So I doubt it. Christian Wood. I absolutely love Christian Wood. I don't think we can really be in the market for him. I'm just dreaming on that one. He's so good. He'd be perfect. Same with Jeremy Grant. Getting him back. I don't know. I think that team, if Schroeder and Adams stay, it could. it's like a 50-50 on whether or not we are bad bad or just bad because the bottom dwellers next year in the west i think it's maybe the kings the spurs and us i think we might be a little bit above them i don't know everyone is kind of trying to go for a playoff spot right now and that's what makes it so hard i think if we trade paul our intentions are cleared but I still think regardless, even if the Kings say that they're contending, I still think they're not going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to be low in the standings. Um, you have to factor in the East, too. The lottery is so much different. You had the Pelicans, like the eighth odds, getting Zion Williamson. We could still have the eighth odds, and it turns into the first pick, right? Or we could have the fourth or fifth odds, third odds. We could end up with the sixth pick, and... The uh, 76ers would get it. And I could see when negotiating negotiating this this top five going to like top four or top three. Right? Because I think at that point, I don't see us being a top three pick. As much as I want Cade Cunningham and I would love for the Thunder to tank for Cade Cunningham. If we add Simmons to this roster, I don't think that's in the realm of possibility. Right? You have Simmons, Schroeder, all that. I don't know. I don't see a first I don't see the first pick. I could see having like the six best odds. That's why it's so hard. Because of how weird this lottery works. You know, and you can never know. It's like it's a fifty fifty on that one. And then if we don't get the if we don't get it on that one um it's gonna have to carry over which also makes it you know interesting to say the least you could put it so that you would get two second round picks like the rockets did i don't know if that one would work um a protection for me that i would like is if you turn the top five protected 2021 if it doesn't convey you make it a 2022 top eight or top 10 protected maybe um, I I don't know. I think if you add a top five player, assuming that you know it has the deal has to keep going over. Top five player with these guys, 
I think it all it, it might push us to around the eight spot. Makes it interesting again. Um But yeah. You'd be getting Chris Paul, so it'd be essentially what it is. You're swapping Simmons for Chris Paul. And then on top of that, just because of Simmons and Paul's age difference, right? You get two picks, which could potentially be really high draft picks. And you have the option of getting an unprotected pick from a team who very well could be the worst of the worst in 2024. So, you would end up having Chris Paul, Josh Richardson, Matisse Theibel, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid. Is it championship contending in the East? I think in the West, it's not. In the East, I think so, depending on how it's all lined up. If you match up against the Bucks, I could see it. I could see them getting to the finals. They have a real path with this team. Their starting five is good. You still have the problem with Al Horford, though, and that's probably the biggest turnoff with this deal. It just comes down to how the 76ers want to deal with this because with their current core, they're kind of stuck. With this, it gives them a ton of flexibility because they still don't lose a beat putting Chris Paul in there. He might actually improve the team, especially in the playoffs. And then you get two super high picks. This could be a really good trade for them. And for us, it could be a really bad trade for us. Or these two picks could, you know, not end up being good at all. And we just got Ben Simmons for Chris Paul straight up. And that's, that's going to be great. I think Simmons, I don't know if I'd put him at straight up point guard, maybe small forward, right? We could get point guard elsewhere. I think I just think it's really an interesting thought. to. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting thought. And I tried to factor in a deal where not only Simmons got moved, but Horford got moved, and they're still bringing back positive assets, right? So... The deal that I came up with, Oklahoma City is going to receive Ben Simmons and Al Horford. Philadelphia is going to receive Chris Paul, Aaron Gordon, the 2021 top five protected pick via OKC. So it's going to be our pick again. And then the 2025 Houston 1 through 10 protected pick. So it's, it's a swap best. All right, so this Houston pick, 1 through 10 protected. Um, they could be a high lottery team. They could end up... Actually, you know what? For the purposes, you could take the swap best even off. Just make it an unprotected pick. It's a, it's a 1 through 10 protected, and I believe it turns into 2 seconds. So there's a ton of risk here. Especially when we're talking 2025, right? It very well could just end up being two seconds. But the 2021 top five protected pick, still same scenario. You throw Al Horford on the team. So I think, does Horford improve the team? I don't really know if he does, to be honest with you. I mean, we already have Adams. I think that kind of makes forces us to move our hand with Adams because we all know if we bring on Horford he's staying the whole entire time 
And Orlando is going to receive Matisse Thibel and Mike Scott. So the reason I think Orlando is a Orlando is probably the biggest factor in this because if you take Orlando and put in another team, Aaron Gordon's a huge player in this because he's going to solve the issues that Horford had with Embiid, and then you get Chris Paul there. They're they're five. They're starting five. Chris Paul, Josh Richardson. Harris at the three, Gordon at the four, Joel Embiid. That's a contender still. Aaron Gordon's relatively young, right? He's only like 20, I think he's like 20, 24, 25, 26. I don't know, he's from the Wiggins draft, so he's somewhere around there. He has a future. He's not. He hasn't been playing bad with the Magic. He hasn't really had the playoff experience. He hasn't been on a good team. That Magic team's never really been good. Right, so Embiid, Paul, Harris, and then Gordon. I mean, Josh Richardson is. These are five. I'd say Gordon and Richardson are high-level starters. Paul and Embiid are your stars, and then Harris. He's like that borderline star. I don't know. I, I wouldn't really call him a star right now. So that works out. I think if you were to just compare that to their roster now, the wins. The win column really would not be affected that much. I think it might actually be a couple more wins for this team. Um, for the Magic, they have so Fultz, Fournier, Thibel, Isaac, and Vucevic. Isaac's already out. He had that terrible injury. I hope he's well. He had that bad injury in the in the bubble. I don't think he's coming back next year, even if it ends in the summer again. Thibault is just that defensive presence. Him alongside Jonathan Isaac is a straight-up problem, right? And Fultz, he's shown promise with this team. He continues to grow. This I don't believe the Magic are going to have a high selection with Isaac being gone. Vucevic, is, he's solid. Fournier's solid. Fultz is solid. That's a top-10 pick, though, regardless. That's going to be a top-10 pick. So their future looks a lot brighter. You're swapping Gordon pretty much for Thibel. I think Gordon's, we know what's up with Gordon. You kind of hit the refresh. You get a top pick. You could pick a power forward in this draft, and if it doesn't work out, you got, a, would assume, a pretty solid pick next year. So that would be a better future for them. It's obviously, for Simmons and Horford, it's kind of a risk, um, especially with the 2021 pick being only top five. If it's six, I would love to have that pick. I think that realistically, this pick would be top 10. Um, so it's Simmons and Horford for Paul, I'd say a top 10 pick, and then the Houston swap best. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's kind of an interesting thought. And the reason that this Houston's pick gets downgraded from the 2024 only one through four protected to this one, Al Horford's a terrible contract and taking him on helps them so much in the future. Obviously they give up Thibel, who's a big part of their future. It gives them that versatility once more. 
And with Chris Paul there, you're not going to, like I said, you're not losing a beat. Right? You got all the picks. Got Gordon. Sets up a really interesting future. And that's my most interesting trade. Just the idea of having Simmons with that team. My goodness. 24-year-old with SGA, Baisley. Um, let's think. You got Adams. You got Schroeder. Could, could be a lot more movement still. But yeah. I think Philadelphia, that might be my favorite trade that I drew up. Just because of all the random stuff that could happen. The risks involved. It's going to be a really interesting season. Or off season with how the Thunder deal with this. And it could end up with just, with just us having future picks and a guy like Thibel. Or an all-NBA third-teamer like Ben Simmons and us giving away a couple of our picks. A lot of ways to go with this. Uh, it be really interesting to see what Presti's thinking and when he ends up going with. But that's going to wrap up the first Thundersticks podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Uh, I'll try to have one out again this week. I'll have to figure out another topic, maybe Gallinari. If you guys have any anything, any suggestions, please feel free to tell me. Anyways, um, thank you guys for watching this, and I will see you next time. Bye.